Next Chapter Podcasts. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend. The king of these for Angelo. Talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. is Atlantic City. It's by Bruce Springsteen from the 1982 record, Nebraska. It's also number 226 out of 500 on the 500 with me, Josh Adam Myers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the only podcast where a comedian is going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums, starting at 500, working their way down to one over the next 9.86 years, and they are halfway through. And we get our fourth Bruce record. Is this four? The Rising, Tunnel of Love, Nebraska, because we talked about it, even though you're about to listen to the record. And there was another one. There was another one. The River. And we still got a few more. Uh, yeah, this was one that, like, I mean, we're going to get into it, but but I'm telling you, like, people that fuck with Bruce, this is the rec- This is the record, dude. Or it's a special one. It's not even a record. As you'll find out, it's a demo. Um, what do I have going on uh, tonight? I am at the Liberty Township Funny Bone in Ohio. Tomorrow night, I'm at the Funny Bone in Columbus. Uh, February 9th and 10th, Detroit, Michigan, House of Comedy. February 12th through the 17th, I'll be at Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Comedy Cellar. February 18th through the 19th, I'll be in Los Angeles. 23rd of February Kitchener, Ontario, and February 24th at Toronto. All tickets are at joshadammyers.com. Get us the tickets. Follow me at joshadammyers. I am being shadow banned, but follow me. And subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Support the show. We need it. We love you. And um, yeah. All right. So the moral of the story is we're going to just go through whatever this whole flandango is, is that Greg Chait, my homie Supreme, he made a point about giving me stuff to this record in this episode. And James, when James did Ornette, he mentioned that this was coming up. And we had some people that we had asked out to. And I just kept going back to James because Greg's not going to come on because Greg's not a podcaster. He's not a comedian, but he loves it. And he gives me all this information. Obviously, this is an important record. And then I think I heard like two other people mention it. But James was the one, and it stuck with me that I go, man, I feel like this is the kind of episode that, like, this is when we had we did Smile by the Beach Boys or by Brian Wilson. I had Morty come on to explain it because I needed somebody that could really dig in to what this was. And so we made a wish happen. Today's guest, James Mattern, Mad Dog Mattern, one of the best hosts in all of stand-up comedy. Um, just follow him. He is one of my favorite people. 
uh, at the James Mattern on on Instagram and on Twitter at James L Mattern. Um, he listen to SDR, all the stuff that he does. He's just a great dude, and man, it, this was a great episode to go over everything with him. Uh, give us a five star rating, rate, review, subscribe, follow uh, at Josh Adam Myers, and at the Five Hundred Podcast too. At the 500 Podcast. Follow the podcast, dude. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group. Run back crazy heaven. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. All right, y'all. How about this? Well, it's Bruce Springsteen at number 226. I can't breathe out of my nose, but the album is Nebraska. It's on. It was bound to happen. It is on. This is. I, I don't think. I don't think you realize. Like, this never happens. We never get the right person for the record. <laughs> it we seems like you always do. Well, you, you. We go for and look. This is. This is why you know what I'm saying is like. I love this because like you, Fetty Wap, uh, Matt Pinfield. We have a collection of like very. You know, guys I get along with that know music and fucking know what the fuck they're talking about. And, but they don't get the records that they want to get. They don't get, they get like, like, all right, hold on. I want to. Uh, this <laughs> lit me up when you sent me this text. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, it, and it worked out for multiple, multiple reasons. And I'm glad it's happening. One, you know, I'm telling you, my schedule is so crazy. And I was like, we're looking for, because you even said it. You were like, listen, I want to do this. I can do this. I know this record, but I get it if you get somebody bigger. And we had asked out, and they're still out. And it, and like I, we have like almost a week and a half before this needs to be released. And I'm just like, nah, man. This is, we we did the last episode. It was so great. Um, and that's what I'm saying. You, did, you do an Ornette Coleman so you can get a Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I mean it. This is great. And then what what does Bruce get you? A Dylan record? I mean, you're get dude, you the you're, Beatles? you're moving into the high <laughs> echelon, dude. These are one of the fu- these are the ones that are fought over. Does this get you London calling? Oh, I mean, dude, you have enough time. You have enough time. It's you got you got four yeah, more, I, uh, four I, years. Yeah, but, I, could, I could build more followers so I could really earn that's it. That's what I'm saying though. <laughs> Fucking build, dude. Build. I mean, dude, we've got like, you know, we've this is dude, Bruce is that guy. Bruce is you know, the, the people that love him really fucking love him. I mean, look at Maureen. Maureen, who I, we've probably talked about her on here before, but Maureen's the a best. good friend of me and Bill's. She runs. The- I got my tickets from her for the show in Jersey last year. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> she ended up having I ended up buying for face value the best seats I've ever had for Bruce for Bruce. Oh, yeah. Because she ended up getting hooked up with general mission on the floor. So she was inches away. And she's the best. I haven't told her yet that I'm going to see him in Vegas with my boys in March. I'm really very excited about this trip. I would I would love to go see him now too. I was bummed out the other night. I, I had to cancel shows in Iowa, so I was still in I was still in New York City and it was too late to put my avails in, in any of the clubs. So yeah. I so I go on Oh My Rockness to find concert tickets and I'm like, Oh my god, fucking Aerosmith with the black crows at Madison Square Garden. No canceled postponed oh but that they would have still, been a fun show they still have the thing up there saying hey it was this date but now it's not yeah that's insult <laughs> to injury yeah right it's like you keep googling it and you're like what the fuck um which i realized you know before we get into any of the heavy shit um i live <laughs> 24 hours a day 365 days a year 
in in this one little bridge section of the song "Amazing" by Aerosmith, you know, it's, you know, in the song where he's like, he's like, "Yesterday how, yesterday how, skinny button, diddy bitten, That's me. That was the moment where I left Aerosmith. They were my favorite band for so long in my youth. Them and Guns N' Roses wanted to, and I liked to get a grip. I am pro crying. Yeah, I think that one's phenomenal. Crazy, I can deal with. Amazing, I had enough. Amazing, I go, I'm taking these chips and I'm going to cash them and get the fuck out of this casino. Yeah, I and I, I mean, never look back. I just love that scat. That scat is what like keeps it's me going. Utterly ridiculous. It's, it's but that's like, dude, that's me. And so when when I found out that they were coming around, I think I'm gonna shit myself. I, was like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck, I don't have nothing to do. And then it didn't happen. What I wanted to talk about is when I say this never happens, is one of the other guys that we work with quite a bit, Wayne Fetterman, brilliant comic. Awesome. Brilliant, Great brilliant. Guy. I love him so much. We were in we were in I was in Arizona. I was in uh I was doing the house of comedy. He's doing uh side splitters, a, a club out there, I forget what it is, Looney Bins. And we met up for lunch and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna need you because I'm getting ready to have vocal cord surgery. We need to record some episodes ahead of time. Yours is is like right now. Like you're, this is like, the gun, baby. Yours is like right here. So we need to get it done eventually. But the, but he was like, he looks over, I, I go, so I, he, I like here, I show him the list. He's like, oh man. He's like, yeah, dude, I you know, I'd really like to do, you know, fucking like, I'd really like to do the Smiths. Queen is dead. I'm like, yeah, I actually need you more for Professor Longhair, New Orleans piano. I mean, I didn't even know that's existed and it's in the top 500. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He knows Professor Longhair. He knows it. I don't know. And I think I have, I have knowledge. I don't know. What you do have knowledge. That was when you, because you said before, just to rehash if everybody hasn't listened, because the Ornette Coleman episode, and I mean this for the people that listen to the podcast, I'm assuming that, you know, we have our diehards that listen to every record and they listen to every album and, and it's just, they, they doing the journey like we're doing. And then we have the pickers and the choosers. Sure. Of course. And, and Ornette Coleman is not what you normally picked or choosed. No, it's, I had to fight for you to come on <laughs> to, to, to do the I episode. I had to bribe you. Yeah. Well, like, no, I'm and I love you. it. No, but I love, but I'm, I'm very honored. And if this is the last one I do, if these are the two I do, I'm very, uh, fortunate and i think these are great for me to express myself these are the perfect two to explain who i am and i'm, I'm very happy to do these two and i love that ornette was the first one i did and i love that i'm doing this one can i just tell this symmetry so i don't wear you know the rule you don't wear band shirts Never. to concerts except i went to bruce and i got shamed by our friend maureen playfully i wore a, a london calling shirt which i thought was good enough and she's like you'll get by on that but you you wear a bruce shirt to bruce so I have ordered a Nebraska t-shirt. When I was in Aruba, you booked me for this when I was in Aruba doing shows. So I, I have a, a Nebraska t-shirt coming that I'm going to wear March 22nd at the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. And then I get to the Comedy Cellar uh, Saturday night and they go, we got something for you. Early birthday gift. And they hand me a copy of Nebraska. So this is all, what do they call it? Kismet Whatever Synchronicity. It, this I think is, this is what a, it's supposed to be. There's a whole police record about this moment right here. Yes. You're doing it. Well, I'm sure that 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 album was about me being here on your couch <laughs> talking about Nebraska. <laughs> James is sitting on the couch. Da, 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 about an da, album da, 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 that I think came after, or no, a year before Synchronicity. Lekka's licking her, her paws, and James sits to her right. Um this never happens. And I think this is a really big deal in the history of the podcast in the we, where we chose in the, the history right, of the world, baby. We chose the right person for the right record. This is a record 
that my one of my best friends, uh, my brother, he's not even a friend. He's a brother. My friend, my friend, my brother, Greg, Greg Chait. We talk about him on here. Really was a heavy influence musically. And he loves this record so much. I don't even know if he have so much. He loves it. He sent me his own research. God bless. And, and he was like, I want to send this to you because, you know, there's just. Everything about this album, I feel like this, this, we're trying to do this in an hour, hour, 10, whatever. This might be a three or four hour discussion <laughs> because this feels like this is more important to Bruce's line of work than anything else he's ever done. It is what I was reading a bunch of stuff. What would what someone, it wasn't a unicorn, but this, this is an outlier of it. Um, so, I mean, all right, how do we, you know, how do you start ahead of it? Yeah. So, all right, let's, so let's just, can I paint a little picture of the timeline? So this is why it's important. So people think that when Born to Run came out, Bruce became the biggest thing in the world. He was hyped and he was on the cover of magazines and that. But that record, um, now almost everything on that record's kind of a would be perceived as a hit. But it really didn't chart. Like his first top ten single was uh, was Hungry Heart, and that was off what the River. And then there's also Badlands and all that. And those, and so the river was a big hit. That's when he finally broke. He finally broke. Uh, in between that, he had trouble putting out Darkness on the Edge of Town because he was suing his then manager. And that was a struggle. And uh, there's a great documentary that you can find. On um, HBO? Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, I watched that. That's amazing about that fight. So because of that, little Steven was going to leave the band. He did not want to be a part of the river because the of what went through and making Darkness was too much for him. And Bruce goes, I, I need you to be a part of this and I'll make you a co-producer. And the idea for that, as we all know, in the 70s, everyone was trying to make Sgt. Pepper's and Dark Side of the Moon and all these big records. Bruce and Steven and those guys wanted to get back to rock and roll. And they both enjoyed punk, which surprised people. And they wanted to create, uh, they wanted to just record the band and, the, the, and that the room was part of the atmosphere of the band. Going back to 50s records, which I... I've told to my aunt and uncle who are obviously way older than me, grew up in the 50s and 60s, that record sounded so much better to me from 56 to about 60. And that was because they they did it all in one take room, and it was right there. And you had the play and the energy and it just, they go right now and listen to, to, to Little Richard's records. They pop or listen to Sun Records, like the, yeah, the, the yeah, Johnny yeah. Cash. Oh, dude, yeah, the... Um, the uh, the great balls of fire guy. What's his name? Jerry Lee Lewis. He sounds like the fucking room's about to explode. And that's what they went for on the river. Now, what ended up happening is they were going to put out a thirteen song album, I believe, a thirteen of the river called "The Ties That Bind." And it Bruce didn't think it it, uh, it represented what he was going through. So they did the double album. But what they found is that they had these great rocking songs, but Bruce was going in another direction with some of these personal songs. And that leads us to Nebraska. So now they have the hit. And the record company's like, we finally broke you. Put out another great rock album. And the River was, was there. That, this is when John Mellencamp's exploding and Tom Petty, and they were calling it Heartland Rock. So Bruce rents this place in, uh, was it Cole's Neck? And it's a small house. And in his bedroom, he just starts demoing. And... He's figured he'd just show up. The toughest part was showing up and not having songs. So he's going to demo all these songs. And one particular night, January 3rd, and this is another reason why this means this is so... What's January 3rd to you? Is that January your 3rd is my, uh, one of my best friends, Michael Franzoy, and my uncle, 
John, who's basically my dad. Now, they're both born on that day. So I always wow. tell people the two most stand-up dudes I know were born on January 3rd. So a majority of these songs... Which is crazy, not to cut you off, but that's that's a that's a big date for me, too. That was the date of the car accident. It's crazy. So, yeah, yeah January 3rd. So uh, think about that. And so all a lot of these songs, were, he just banged them out on his uh, this four-track he got. And what people also don't know is a lot of the songs that don't make this end up being the big rock album after Born, born, to born in the yes. USA. Yeah. Born, in, born in the USA. So I got ahead of it, but 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 think about this. In between him finally breaking and then him becoming the biggest star in the world is this record. So this is another reason why people need to realize the context before you start throwing in what you want to dig on on this. It, people need to know this was they had to fight to put this out. It's an absolute accident. And that's the beauty of it. And I don't think Born in the USA hits like it does if this isn't in the middle. I think this is absolutely needed for him as an artist. Wow, yeah. And for the fan base. And it gives a little pause on the momentum to really lead to the big run, to the big record. Because remember, so the river's 80. Yeah, we Born did that, USA by the way. Come up to done, 84. Yeah, we did, we did The River. Which is a wonderful record. Long. It was long. Dude, every song was like eight minutes. There's another hour, another album that's not... There's like a third disc. I mean, a lot of those tracks... He, that and Darkness has so many outtakes that eventually came out as the box set tracks, which is amazing. Full of just great songs. Little Steven, to this day, will will scream till he's blue in the in the face to you. That, that He's so, thrown away... Like perfect records, records that could be on this list of tracks have just been, could have been great records thrown away. The perfection of Bruce. And that's a, that's one of the reasons why this record's so great too. Bruce didn't know he was making a record. This is a demo, everyone. I don't want to get ahead of the lead, but this is a demo. He didn't have to overthink everything. He's just letting it come out and he was just, he was just, I mean, did he, well, this is what I was going to ask. I have so yes. many questions and, and, oh. and I'm probably jumping ahead. So forgive <laughs> no, 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 me, no, no, but no. I love this, this is so great. much. This is great. Life dude. is happy accidents. And this record is an example of and, it. And, 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 you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, this is the episodes that I love where I don't have to do anything. I get I to be, I get to ask. Yes. Um, how prepared was he when he came in? To this record? No, because he didn't know he's making a record. He's just making demos. So he's sure, just, but he didn't know the songs already, or was he, he? He wrote them. So a lot of the stories is he just come home. I mean, it's back when there's three channels. He just, I believe, gotten out of a relationship. Yeah, what and, year? Hold on, what year is it? 80, 82? What's on television? What's happening? What's happening now? Yeah, <laughs> led to a lot of outtakes. Um, so the River Small Tour wonder. was was grueling. It was like a uh, hundred shows, and these are legendary shows in the uh, fables of of the E Street Band. People still talk about that tour, the you River still, Tour. Yeah, you'll see people wearing the River Tour t shirts. It's legendary. Why was that? Is it just because that album rocks and it, every song's eight minutes long, and it just it's really and it is a rock and roll party. So those songs that oh, are the dude, rock I mean, and roll party are the rock like two. Uh, I can't. I'm praying when I see him in March. He plays two hearts. It's Dude, one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, just looking over. I mean, Hungry Heart. In my in my opinion, is one of the worst songs on the record. I, I just so and it's a hit. When I'm out on the street, oh 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 oh, yeah. I can't help That's pretty good. He he said he wanted the sound of less control on the river, and those rocking songs to me are that is less control. Hmm. And one of his favorite things, and this, I think this will come into uh, this record as well, is his holy grail growing up was the smashing of the snare on Elvis's Sun Records recordings. 
And now there's no drums per se in this record. I guess there is some percussion and there's glockenspiel and that. But you can trace a line to that. The sounds, the, the liveliness of that and the room and, and the ambiance, that is almost as important as the notes you're playing. And it starts with the river and it starts with we're going to be a rock band, which three years earlier, four years earlier, punk bands decided we're just going to be rock bands again. We're not going to do nine minute keyboard farting like, yes, and there's quality. Yes, songs. And I do love Rush. I adore Long Rush. Long distance. Yes. Roundabout. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was important to go back to that. But this was even more for this was less of the aggression and anger of punk. But just we just like rock and roll music and a few chords and we're just gonna keep fucking going with the song and we're gonna feel it we're gonna dance and it's okay to be alive, and and that's what he went back to. Once again, those early rock and roll records still kick ass, which sure. even the great punk yeah. bands will tell you. We that. did that. We did though. We've done a lot of those records on the podcast and it's they're great. It's wonderful, and so you'll see a line to that as well. But but starting in eighty with the river of of trying to find that special feeling in the recording starts coming. So he just sits at the end of his bed. He catches a late night movie. How do you imagine? And what's he wearing? Like, what do you, what have you ever thought about this? Like, what's the, is there food in the room? Well, is this, it like, I, 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 this is an interesting thing to think about. I wonder what he snacks on. So in my head, he's got a few cubes of cheese cut. Yeah. And maybe an <laughs> apple and some crackers. I mean, you don't hear about this. So you just assume he's in the white shirt and the jeans. But it's late yeah, at night. Is he wearing comfies? Is he wearing like COVID comfies? Is he wear? I don't know. Maybe he's playing in his underwear. That's something you don't hear about this. Do you think maybe? He maybe you hear like the, there's just there's like a little, a little knock on one of the back of the on the back of the guitar. And it could just be his like his his, his unfleshed dick just, you know, uncovered. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, this <laughs> is something he would never thing. let you know because it's him and it would probably take away the mystique of the record. So in our head, it's him with the bandana and the hair's good. And yeah. he's just banging it out or maybe wearing a flannel. But realistically, he, he's eating cheese cubes with a slice of apple. In underwear, playing used cars. Maybe. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. But he's sitting on the edge of the bed. And the big movie, So and this influenced the writing of this record, is uh, is Badlands. Uh, what was it? Terrence, Terrence Malick. Yes. Oh yeah, that makes that like makes perfect sense. So what do you mean? He's like he saw that movie and then he went home and he just started like writing the record. Well, no, so it was writing on there. The demos, I but mean. he, I mean, he wrote it at home. He wrote it in his bedroom, not the guest room, on the edge of his bed, into this four track. Um, he ended up. So it's based on the murders of Charles Starkweather and his girlfriend, who went cross country. They murdered like ten people, including family members. He was, he might've been the most, the, like the first celebrity serial killer. And he also realized um, personality mattered. He became like a character to people. He cared more about that than trying to claim insanity, the Starkweather. And Bruce becomes him in the song. He sees the movie and he, he learns about this. He has, he's also reading Howard Zinn's um, The People's History of the United States and some of those stories. And so that and like, they always say that his the small towns of him growing up and going to visit his grandparents and that factor in. So you mix that all together and this becomes Nebraska. But that murder story really takes it to the next level. And that's where the theme of those songs that become this record. Because remember, he recorded like 18, 20 songs. It's a lot of them become on Born in the USA and then Pink Cadillac. 
which doesn't fit in at all with this record, comes from this as well. But these 10 work together because of that. And it starts with the title track, and it starts with the Starbrother so, Mariners yeah. and, and Badlands. So, so is it true, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong, it was originally recorded with a full band, but he was dissatisfied. No, so this is so this is this is another reason why this album so the folklore of it is so important in that. So he I'm Josh, this is crazy. These songs are on a fucking tape with no with no case in his back pocket for several weeks. Could have been destroyed. Um Wait, what do you mean? Like so it's just so look, she, I'm gonna act it out right now. People can't see this. I'm gonna use my phone. My yeah. phone I'm pretending right now is Nebraska on a tape in 1982, a cassette tape. Back in the day, if you're young millennials or Zs, tapes are having a slight renaissance now. And you would get these tapes and he wouldn't, there was no case. So he'd be there and the string in the, he put in his back pocket and he walked around with it and he plays it for John uh, Lando, his manager. Uh, and I agree, doc. And <laughs> And then he played for some people and just put it back in his back place. He thought it was a demo. He only thought he was recording a demo. And it could have been destroyed. You know, if you don't put a, a cassette tape in a case. It gets, yeah, just, you know, the The, the tape in life. it can get it's all just rattled life. Yeah, it can, anything can happen. And he's walking around with it. And they go and they get the band together. And there is somewhere lying the what's called the Electric Nebraska album, which has never been released. And... Some of the recordings with the bands, I want to say that Downbound Train is what they recorded together during this time, and which is spectacular. Uh, arguably my favorite song of Born in the USA. And that song kind of fits the narrative of Nebraska as well. And they try it, and it didn't capture the feeling. Bruce has said between that and then when he tried to do this again, acoustic, they tried to replicate this acoustically in a real studio that he lost his characters. The characters of the story lost. And in uh, the great book, To Deliver, uh, Deliver Me From Nowhere, which is about the making of the sound, this is how important this record is. Last year, a book came out. Warren Zanes, who was in the Del Fuegos and is a, wrote uh, the Dusty Springfield 33 and a third and the great Tom Petty biography. I hear it's great. I haven't read it or listened to an audiobook okay. yet. But he um, did a whole book on this. And I was just listening on the walk up again. And he's like asking Bruce about it. He's like, so wait a minute. When it comes to making a record, the characters you're singing about, they get 51% of the vote. And he goes, it always is. It, it's the only way it can be. So like people got to think about this. Bruce in the uh, on Broadway on Netflix admits that he's a liar. He's never worked, had a job. He sings about these blue collar people. They're characters. What was the story with like Dylan and that? Like these guys were writing the great American novel, but in song yeah, form. Yeah. Bruce does this. He falls in love with these characters. This album is full of them. He never judges. This album is full of murder ballads, if we're going to be perfectly blunt. And he doesn't pass any judgment. And half the time, he's first person. And he found that going into the studio, because this album gets, this tape gets mixed on Landau's um, boombox, beatbox, whatever you want to call it, that has been water damaged. 
That's how they mix this record, Josh. And they use an echoplex, which adds that wonderful. Were they, were they trying to not? They were trying to do everything they could to like have this never see the light of day. Because it, it was still a demo, Josh. It was going to. The only intention was to make it sound better, to mix it, to lead to the to the actual record. And they're using an, an echoplex, and that leads to that wonderful sound that you hear on this record, which is also. The sound you hear, like in the Sun Records, uh, like the the Elvis Sun Sessions, which is so great. Everyone, I mean, everyone who loves rock and roll says that's their favorite Elvis. Those are just they just there's something about that. Yeah, I believe that. And and so they do that. Dude, my dog loves you right now, oh, dude. I love your dog. She, 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 you keep pushing up with your hand. Well, down. I got a lot of passion. Dogs yeah, get passion. You're going, you're going like full oh, like uh, Fabrizio. Fabrizio. So. They do that and they, they use the Echoplex in the studio and it's too professional. And they lose what is actually happening there. There's the uh, level of grayness to this album. That's an accident, but it's essential to it. This album isn't black and white. If you see the cover, there's that red in it, but it's a wonderful black and white picture and it captures what you're about to hear for 40 minutes in so, that album. So then, I had a great question, which was, um, you know, when did they decide that they were going to release this and how much pushback or like, is there more to that story? Or was it just like, I guess we're putting this out and then that was it. But it wasn't like, cause it just sounds like they tried. He records all this shit. Like, let me pull it up. He records, you know, how many songs is on this fucking was it 10, right? There is yeah. 10 First songs. Side, somehow six songs in like 28 minutes. And then the, the second side when it was an LP, yeah, four songs in like 12, 13 minutes. Yeah, how do you do that? How do you do they that on the record? That, but that, but that, that's and as someone like a Bruce back then, you are you're curating two different shows. I mean, people used to put so much effort in what opens and closes the, the, the side. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it's and it's crazy because you would think you would start the second side with State Trooper and be okay with it, but he wanted to close with State Trooper. Wow, that's so... I didn't even think about that. It was like that. the sequencing was so much more important back in the day. Absolutely. I mean, it is. Now it is, but it's just as a whole. It's just you look at it from the top to the bottom, but it's before it used to be like, this is where you flip the tape over. This is where you flip the record over, you know? And that was a big deal. CDs and... and yeah, man. All right, so so when did they decide, and what do you know? Like, when did they decide to to... to to push forward with just the demos. Well, there's some back and forth and in the stories, <laughs> there's a couple sides to it. Bruce, I believe still says that he came to the realization. I want to say John Landau also says that he suggested it. And Steven Van Zandt, one of my absolute heroes in life in his audio autobiography swears that he turns to Bruce and goes, Hey, the record is the demo. Um, so it's one of those things where, there's your side, my side, and the truth. And so maybe we'll never know what the full truth is on this. And everyone's older, and they forget things. And as little Steven says in his wonderful book, he goes, who knows? We're all just making this shit up anyway. So <laughs> That's crazy. But there was a bit of that, and the record label, of course, was shocked. But now they want to they want to put out a big rock album, obviously. Josh, they just put out this double album that's sold, and the tour sold, and this guy finally is paying off. Did After this, years of what they thought he was going to yeah, be. Yeah, keep going. I was. Well, I have. A, I have a question about how the fans received it. You know, but we'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that. We'll get to that. So yeah, keep going. But, but they also now know that he has these songs and he's is great, so they appease him and put it out. But there was a fighting on that, 
and I forget who stood up. I was cramming re-listening to the audiobook, and I forget. I'm, was it Walter Yamanoff? Someone fought for him, and someone was puzzled by, by it. And so forgive me for being a little hazy on this part of the story, but it was um, it was a fight, of course, because who the fuck wants to put out this bleak? It's a bleak record. It is. Like, I'm not bullshitting. This is an album of murder ballads. You know what I'm noticing about his career as I look through his CDs, and I don't know if maybe I'm right or uh, it just it just seems that way, but it's like he'll do Born to Run, boom, that's like a poppier one. Then he does Darkness on the Edge of Town, a little bit, a little bit, you know, stronger, right deeper. Then he does The River, which is another fucking it's, it's all hits, and here we go. And then he slams you down with Nebraska, and then he takes you up again with Born in the USA, and then he does it again, and then he does it again with Tunnel of Love, where he does that record by himself about his wife and or the divorce. A lot of people will argue, and uh, when Warren Zanes goes on. Um, Koppelman's podcast, Koppelman, big Bruce Springsteen guy, and he was a record executive, and his dad was a huge record executive. I forget which one said it when they, Koppelman asked him at the end, what's the closest thing Bruce has done since this? One of them says Western Stars, and one of them says Tunnel of Love, and I forget that. And Tunnel of Love is raw. There is some synthesizer. It's not a full E Street Band, you know, uh, record. And he's going through the divorce and there's some scaled down songs and it's really amazing. But it is that. It is the the bummer record after of going through shit. It is so interesting, the tug of war that goes through. Yeah, and then he does it again with he does Human Touch and Lucky Town, the double records that are like poppy. With the other band. Yeah, and then he does the Ghost of Tom, Tom Jones. Jones. And then he does the Rising. And then I don't know after that because I don't know any of the rest of these well, records. The Rising, obviously about uh September eleventh, and Which, that was yeah, depressing, but, but but optimistic in a lot of ways. And then uh, what's next is magic magic then working on and a dream magic's more uplifting and, and working on the dream is more uplifting wrecking ball wrecking ball which i was there when he played alive the first time yeah he, he talks about that at, at giant stadium he brings up me being so far away <laughs> the number you have reached is 100.7 wmms it wasn't just a radio station it was a lifestyle it is a rock and roll city for sure the Wrath of the Buzzer, WMMS, Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. By myself. You good? Hey, young man. Hey, there, fella. How you doing, Bruce? Bruce is just such a dude. Um, yeah, man. So I mean, this is kind of his mo. He just like what Beck does. I think Beck's copying him. You know, Beck will do interesting. We'll do Odelay. Uh, well, no, he did. He did Mellow Gold, and then he did fucking, which is my favorite record by him. Really, I love it because it's totally fucked up and ridiculous. It is a weird. I love 
weird art and I love stuff like John Spencer Blues Explosion and I love that weirdo shit and goddamn Mellow Gold these dumb stoner art hip hop folk with weird lyrics that sometimes sound like they're pulled out of a hat oh man and he just wants to piss you off and the noise songs like Mountain Dew Rock and Soul Suck and Jerk love that record I'm finally liking him again he he needs to do what I'm hoping is release another acoustic record. Yeah, because that's my favorite Beck. But Sweet I also Saints. don't get me wrong. I love Odelay. I love Odelay. I love Midnight Vultures. I I, I hate I, colors. I I'm colors not crazy are... about Odelay anymore. I it just didn't move at me. I really liked the other. I felt that that was kind of soulless. I listened to Midnight Vultures when I was in Vegas for the holiday and on my way to do a radio show, and I go, okay, I get it now. I get it. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to go back and listen to his catalog Dude, that, and that give it another chance. Fucking, but he does he is kind of taking that, yes. Because he's a complex man. We're all complex people. I put on Midnight Vultures, man. That takes me right back to my rave days. I sure. mean, I just I'm sitting in the back of a car, high on a cat tranquilizer, about to Jesus get out. Christ. It's cold. I don't hear that sentence nearly enough. Yeah. I, yeah that, I that's a record that and, but then like like don't get me wrong, you know, the breakup record, uh, Sea Change is brilliant and and then he did the record that came out, you know, where he won the best album of the year for it, which he didn't deserve it for that. They should have given it to him for Sea Change. They never give it to you what you no. you're supposed to. Has Bruce has did Bruce win or was this nominated? Was like No, no, not a chance. I don't know if he's ever been nominated for a Grammy for record of the year. I mean, this feels like this had to have done but, but something. He, but this wouldn't get it because it's not a record. That's the beauty of it. This is this is why it's also regarded. It's a record, though, but it's a record that's been put out. But it is a demo. I mean, people don't worry. This is a demo tape. This is, we're Didn't talking they... on this wonderful program yeah. about the 500 greatest albums where you're eventually going to get to the Beatles records where George Martin used the fucking control board like, like he was a... Uh, leading a, uh, a, a symphony at uh, Carnegie Hall or whatever. Um, you're, you're going to talk about these Bob Dylan records and these the wonderfully mastered uh, Marvin Gaye records and the clashes, London Calling. And this is, in this discussion of these greatest records, a fucking demo tape. I can't stress this enough How to do you, people. So, so my buddy Greg, he wrote a bunch of questions and stuff, and I, and I really Go. like this. So it's, you know, it's about... I think this is either about the, the first record, but he says, imagine you're faced with a creative project. You've, you have the options to take two different approaches, one involving a polished, fully produced version and the other a raw, stripped down interpretation. How would you go about deciding between the two? Of uh, Which one you do? Yeah. <sighs> of like picking one. Yeah. How do you, what are the factors? Like what, what do what, you... What's the feeling? And like with something like this, I have a feeling, Josh, if they put out the Electric Nebraska it would be record, a joke. I feel it's going to probably sound great. Oh, you do? I have a feeling it's probably great. But for, in 1982, with him um, sitting in Cole's Neck, I always call it something else. I, I called it Cole's Neck forever. <laughs> but him, Jersey. him there and what he was going through and him dealing with the success finally breaking in that grueling tour in his ear, the only way to put it out was that way. I'm someone, I was taught this by a, a roommate I had who was a big yogi and all this, and uh, listen to your body. When it comes to food, I try to do that with shows. I try to um, ask myself how I'm feeling before I host a show. What is my motivation? What What is the mood in the room? I treat the, the audience in the room and what's going on outside as part of 
the set. And I feel that's important to do. And Bruce did that with that. So, you know, times could change. Let's just say it's three years later. He might go with the electric version better. And you might, and I might, because things change and people change. But at that perfect moment in time, being true to the moment, that's what needed to come out. And to me, you serve what the song is. You serve what the joke is. You serve what the crowd is. You serve, There's, they're running a, a, a nickel defense at you. So I serve the offense of how I'm going to beat the nickel. You got to live in that moment and yeah. figure it out. And in that moment, they needed to put out a demo tape. That is what was perfect, but it could all change. And I'm telling you, some of these songs are probably great with the band. Like I said, I, I think believe Downbound Train was actually, I think it is the actual recording. I want to say the, use the actual recording on Born in the USA that they did with the band, that it worked. And it's spectacular. Yeah, it's just like, like looking over the track listing for Born in the USA. I mean, it's, this is, this is fucking thriller, dude. This is this is like was he trying to do that? Was he trying to 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 make like the way that like Def Leppard was like we're trying no. to make the great no the the great rock and roll thriller no, but it just happened. But I mean, have you so the version the Nebraska version of Born in the USA is available. I mean, that's that's released. That's on tracks, and it's haunting. And I think it's a better song, to be honest. Well, how, can I ask you a question? How, I mean, maybe you don't know, but how big when he dropped Dancing in the Dark when that came out, did that just like take over radio? It's huge. And that video with Courtney Cox, like he, he didn't do videos. He did a video for this album, Atlantic City, with no footage of him. It, and it's a bleak. It's a wonderfully bleak, and I believe it's black and white, um, depressing video, but it's great. It's let's see, I think this is the proper word, how, harrowing. I can't speak English. Um, it's a good word. Yeah. I get it. No, it's, it it's a howling. Uh, oh, I sound like a fucking four-year-old going through problems. H-A-R-R-O-W-N, <laughs> -R -R everybody, please. I sound like I'm just trying to say howling. Wait, so how, wait, was, was this record big? No. So It I became mean, a cult classic, though, and, and it reached punk people and indie people and I think gothy people, and it became... Crazy, yeah. If you ask like yeah. a Maureen, who is a friend of ours that's seen, should we fucking read? Should we ask her what's where she rank it? Yeah, you want to call her? Yeah, I do. Um, fuck, I think she'd get a kick out of this. You're getting. It's very loved, and it's very important to Springsteen fans. Hold on, let me see if she'll pick up. Should I Facetime her or pick? Yeah, yeah I'll Facetime her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like she. This is. I doubt she's gonna pick up though, dude. Here we go. Is this a first for the episode too? I've never Facetime somebody. But I bring I, out the best in she, you, baby. Oh, she. She's. She's unavailable. God damn it, Maureen. Oh man. Well, who gives a shit? Um. So all right. So where do you where does where do you think the great the great Bruce Springsteen fan ranks this record? in their favor. I mean, where do you put yourself on a, on a scale of, uh, of, um, you know, I'll say this. I don't know if this is people's favorite record, but if you're a Bruce fan, you probably 
think it might be his most important. And it seems why? like with everything I've read why is that? that Bruce thinks it's his most important. Why, why does he and why do they? I, that's, I'm very you, curious. You, I think this, to be honest with you, can I just say this straight away? Go. This might be my favorite record I've actually listened to by him. I enjoy this. I enjoy this way more than I enjoy Born in the USA. I enjoyed it way more than I enjoyed The River because it's a lot shorter. Yes. Um, Born to Run just rules. And Dark, I love Born Darkness on the Edge of Town is great. And I really never listened to Greetings or The Wild. Uh, and then post you know it really stops after the rising rising is like the last real record maybe i'll listen to wrecking ball for a moment yeah so it's important because i don't think you get to that pop record without him putting this out without him expressing this without him telling you the story of these monsters without him telling you the story of the children not judging the rich people laughing in the on the mansion on the hill through the forest I think he needed to get that out. I think he needed to crown himself. I think he was going through, once again, some real darkness in his life. And he needed to exercise it. And he needed to remind himself that he was an artist. And that he wasn't a commodity. I think at times, he, he didn't become a full-on commodity with Born to Run, but it was getting there with the time cover and with all the news about him being the new Dylan from New Jersey. And that, and I think he needed darkness. I think some artists, and I'm, a, you know, my my favorite is Neil, and Neil, Neil has Diamond. done that. Neil Young. Oh, okay. And Neil <laughs> has done that a lot. Sometimes when you feel like you're heading to the middle of the road, his famous quote, uh, "You got to go for the ditch." And I feel like Bruce at that time wasn't ready. I feel like to become this huge pop icon, and he still wasn't after the river. He was close though, and I think he probably knew he was close. But he needed to do this. And I'll tell you, this record will outlive everything else he does, I think. I think you go and listen to this really? 100 years from now. You listen to this record, and you'll get a real view of what he does, of telling you these stories, and there's no frills. This is, in a way, a great rock and roll record at the same time to me. Because it's it's rock and roll stripping it down. So at one point, when they're recording The River, this needs to get discussed, they're at what the was it the, the hit factory or the power plant legendary studio in, in manhattan and recording there is um the band suicide i believe you've done the first yeah you did record. do suicide yeah who i love johnny was always gonna travel <laughs> yeah that record's spectacular wow you really you like i love it i love it and bruce it's it's a different listen bruce this will surprise people bruce loves them and he loved being around them and Alan Vega talks about, and this is mentioned in that wonderful book, um, about how rock and roll. Here, let me pull out the real quote. This is they talk about the great records in the past that we've been talking about these Sun Records and that, and all the early rock and roll, and it's about being a loner. And let me find this right here. It's really. Early Elvis, Little Richard, Johnny Cash, they represented the lonely man. And that is what Alan Vega thought that rock and roll was. And that's what he swears that Suicide was doing as well, even though they were doing it with weird keyboards and synthesizers. It was the sound of the lonely man. And Bruce got that with them. And Bruce took elements of that. Bruce does a wonderful cover of Dream Baby Dream. And uh, with Frankie Teardrop really influenced... State Trooper and those howls that are on that. Those are Alan Vega type howls. 
And, wow, and, man. But, but uh, even dude, it, hold on. Yeah. If, oh, for the people that have been listening to the podcast for a long time, tell me if you if you if you remember doing the suicide and now what we're talking about now. Tell me, I agree. I completely agree with that. I, I never even thought about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And it comes from that influence. And um but but that uh, it all comes back to the old rockabilly rock album stripped down guitar. I mean so there's 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 old rockabilly doesn't have drums. Sometimes it's just people just with 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 the brushes and shit like that. I mean the Glockenspiel is the goddamn uh, percussion on this record that he uses, but that he also puts through an echoplex. By the way, it, it feels like he, this is almost a produced record, though. There's a lot of like backing vocals, but it's and- not all a demo. Bruce, rec- uh, let's see, there, is there a producer credit? No, there's a recorded by credit, I believe. I believe his roadie. I'll take a look. I want to say, but that's the beauty of this, Josh. It wasn't supposed to be, and it allowed him to not get in his head, and allowed him to show, um. With real care of the characters. He didn't try to do anything more with them than to service them. Does that make sense? Because when you're recording a record, you might overthink and be like, I can't say this, and this would be better as a record. He was just putting out... You know, there's songs that share lyrics because a lot of these themes are just bouncing in his head, and he thought he'd clean them up later. What did um, what did critics say when it when it first happened? Let's talk about let's talk about the reception, not not from the fans. Well, did we already said the fans? Of course, probably dug it, but the the hardcore fans. But now there's people who didn't come with it who he he won over on the river and um, millions. What would he sell? Thirteen million of Born in the USA. Year two years later, a lot of those people probably weren't there for Nebraska. I mean, obviously, I'll tell you this: twelve million of them were not there. I mean, this album eventually went platinum. Dude, he sold seven. He went seven. Dude, born in the USA, seventeen million records. Pretty amazing in just America. Yeah. So think about that. So critics loved it. I was looking at that. A writer in England, I believe it's the old. Have you been? Have, has anyone talked about the old Grey Whistle test? No. It was a British show with music, and I believe the lead credit. So there's a video when you get to the New York. You haven't done the New York Dolls yet, right? The first record it's coming up. It's a great record. Um, there's a famous clip where they were called Mock Rock, and there's a guy introducing them on the old gray whistle test. He's being very snide and shitty. I believe he's the one who wrote the famous panning review where he only gave it like two and a half stars. And I think he says that he believes these songs would be serviced better with a full band. Really? Yeah, and he was snide. And look, guess what? He was wrong about the fucking dolls because dolls are awesome. And yes, they were derivative of the Stones. So was Aerosmith, and they were good too. They still found their own thing. But uh, most critics loved it. I believe it finished third in the Village Voice, Paz and Jop list. That was a, for people who don't know, that was a huge snobby uh, Robert Chiscow, the, the dean of American uh, rock criticism. He was like the editor of the Village Voice. Getting a good review of Village Voice was huge back in the day. They were the pitchfork of the day, more so than even Is like pitchfork. Um, they're the big ones now, yeah. And they just got bought and they're going to be brought into GQ. Was that it or Vogue or some shit? And so, um, more so than R- Rolling Stone. And then Spin, I think, at one point became the big reviewer when I was growing up. Like, like Spin was always big, Spin yeah. was the shit, and they were really snobby. 
about what they gave stars to. Rolling Stone basically gave everyone three and a half to five forever. It was just crazy. <laughs> just everything. Yeah, they really a, did. A dog shits, and you record that and, and at least 18 different times as tracks on an album. <laughs> Excellent, dense sounds and, 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 and vocals. Four and a half stars. This, this got, this went all the way up to where the river went to number one. This went up to number three in the U.S. Uh, it sold... Uh, just as it went platinum yeah dude it's so funny like everything's like five times three times seven times there's nothing but that's a slow platinum it burned this it is no but burn. not on this one not on this one this one it just says platinum australia platinum canada gold new zealand platinum uk silver um so it did not sell very good no but it's but it's one of those things that those who got it told people about it let's talk about let's talk about some of the songs let's okay. talk about so we mentioned nebraska already uh which is which is the about the the serial killer um atlantic city um, probably the, the most well-known song on the record. really is that was that, and it's I remember, spectacular I, I mean that was something that i remember greg listening to and me being like oh and i just i had no idea about the history of the record i just knew that this was off of nebraska not knowing anything not even knowing that it wasn't a record it's just demo it's a demo um this song's about the economic decline of the city of atlantic city new jersey in the late 70s which so in early 80s what's funny about this is when we were on tour with Jelly Roll and we were in um, Virginia Beach and my mom was there with my sister and her family and uh, and Jelly came in and I think the next place we were going was to Atlantic City and my mom said that or he said we're off, we're off to Atlantic City and she's like ah and then she goes and starts saying it's like it used to be just like in the song where it's like fix your hair pretty go out you're going to Atlantic City it's the it's like this is you you're wearing your best clothes and it is a shithole now dude. It is, but man, and there's that country version they play on the boardwalk. That's very good. What do you mean? Uh, on the boardwalk, there's like a country. Some I forget who does the cover, but there's a cover of it, and they they like hillbilly it up and make it a little of more Atlantic warm. City. Yeah. Um. God, that just thinking about the lyric got me emotional. Can I be honest with you? Yeah, please. Uh, it's that's a song I have been face to face with in my emotions, and my feelings, for a lifetime. That's a song which. Uh, Years of late night drinking or just being alone and heartbroken either by a woman or by life itself or this wonderful business that we have chosen and we're part of of show and comedy. God, everything dies, that's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday comes back is one of the most unbelievable lyrics you'll ever get. I actually really am getting emotional right now. It's really crazy. I don't want to even make eye contact with you, Josh, or your listeners, but it's... uh. <laughs> You will be the first, it's, dude, dude. Bruce brings it out of people. It's really the best. It's but it's it. There's a truth to that. There's an opt. This is what's crazy because this is a bleak record in a lot of ways, and it's about desperation mm -hmm. and despair. And this song's tough. I mean, talking about Philip Testa, the chicken man getting killed, and Philip the mob hit. Now this kid's clearly going to do something for the mafia to try and do something better. They they have no other options. But maybe someday. Something that died can come back. Maybe the good in me can come back. Maybe the good that's happening to us can come back. It's fucking beautiful. Because in the last track is Reason to Believe, which people think is, 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 they think it's more optimistic than it is. And Bruce says it's the most depressing song on the record, the, the most bleak. But yet he brings up that people still find a way to have a reason to believe. 
this is the beauty of this record is it tells you how cold life is and how terrible and that people kill for no reason and people make decisions morally that are wrong that eat at them for their lives and that people have to make these decisions to do better for themselves and for people they love but there's still a reason to believe and there's still hope that there's something good can come back it's crazy and and very few people could pull that off and bruce does he still gives you a little crack of light to come through the door to remind it that there's still light out there it might be it might be alaska in january but <laughs> yeah. there's that five minutes of sun and more sun's coming just hang out till till the summer and see what happens and in atlantic city it's just it's it's crazy it's it's it really captures life the bummer that it is and the bad decisions that you might have to make but maybe hope that's all we wake up for is hope you woke up today hoping that this would be good and that people would love it and it'll lead to something else maybe or or you'll get a, a nice phone call or email for some more gigs or something else or you find out someone you love had a good day hope it's all we have it's all you have yeah that's all you can have is hope um boy every time i if you're if your uh, audience is alcoholics and they made a drinking <laughs> game despair bleak and hope you're fucking in the hospital right now this is alcohol poisoning is that why is that why the next record is so like you know rainbows and lollipops i think it had to and hunky and doodly doos and i think landau probably had a lot to do with that because you know he, he was famously stop giving away songs that become hits you should get your own hits because you know bruce did that a million times Almost gave Hungry Heart off to the Ramones. And Landau's like, nope, we're keeping this one. And so I think that's probably why it didn't be in a pop album. And it works. That being said, and Boy in the USA is great. But I'm telling you, the better version is th this version. It's the Nebraska version. It's fucking haunting. Yeah, I... Um, but it <clears> had to. You couldn't do another record like this back to back. Which is the one that I really like. The one that... Is it State Trooper? State Trooper's yeah. unbelievable. State, that riff. State Trooper... Uh, New God. Jersey Turnpike used as the closing song of the season finale of the first season of The Sopranos. Unbelievable choice by David Chase. As they're sitting, eating in the dark at Vesuvio in the middle of a storm after Tony basically takes the reins of the family. State Trooper. Mr. Whoa. State Trooper, please don't, please don't stop me. This is how, these are the characters that are in this album that bruce is channeling and not passing judgment that has to be known to people he please don't stop me i'm going to go through with this i just and keep killing god damn dude this this <laughs> this makes me want to listen to the record more and more and more now it's a it's a wonderful record once again it's i don't think it's anyone's particularly favorite but i think people will tell you it's the most i think it's greg's Dude, my buddy Greg literally wrote, like, I feel bad that I'm not, like, reading everything. It's like, it's just all this great shit and, like, great questions to ask yeah. you. Like, State Trooper, you know, he, he says it's, let me get rid of this, where it's a, like, it showcases his ability to capture raw emotion and spontaneity in his music. Sometimes creative brilliance can emerge from spontaneous and unscripted moments as seen in State Trooper, which was recorded in a live, improvised take. Can you share an instance in your life when an unplanned or spontaneous approach led to an unexpected and oh, exceptional good, huh? results? Like, yeah, good. dude, he's he wrote me a show, and I I'm like, 
I'm just listening to you talk. Shit, man, set it up. I want to talk with him. We'll have a. <laughs> is that possible? A follow up. It's not even an episode. I just talked to your friend about Nebraska because we love it. I mean, I, I, that's what I'm trying to wonder is like, if he's doing this and you're doing this, like this, if I mean, and you, where do you put, if you had to say on a scale of, you know, Maureen to me, which me is like, you know, I like him. he's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll go see him. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a diehard fan. Yeah. I've seen him live, but I go see him again. I pay money to go see him again. Yeah. But Maureen who's seen him 70, 80 times front row sitting on the amp, like where, where do you put yourself? I'm somewhere in the middle, but it's growing more and more. And it's one of those things where I wish I would have had the means to have seen him more. I've only seen him twice, but I'm going to see him at least once this year. And I think I'm going to be in Europe for at least June, maybe longer. And I think I'm going to try and be a human being a little bit there. What do you, what do you mean? What are you going to be doing in, in Europe? You I'll gonna... be doing some shows with someone. Nice. I, I believe the tentative plan. I won't let it, the cat out of the bag, but I, I think it. we're going to be in June and we're going to live there. And I might try and book some of my own stuff and live there. How great is that going to be? And then I might, if money is not horrible at this point in my life, if I'm doing okay, the tax man, wonderful song that you'll be talking about when you get to revolver, one of the greatest records ever. Four years. Uh, four years, baby. Make them count. Can't, can't do so good. Um, Bruce is in Europe with makeup dates, and I might. He he says his favorite place the, is Italy, so I I'm tempted, and it'll probably cost a penny. I might go see him in Rome, or I might go see him in Barcelona. I'm toying with that. Or all, or all, because guess what? This party's going to end at some point in yeah, life, and, and it might as well live it while you can. Oh my and god! And go to the grave. With great memories. Oh, God. So I'll probably see him more than once this year is what I'm trying to tell you. And I want to catch him as much as I can. And he's kind of doing the same set now, which he never did. I know. I've but it's a perfect that. set. Yeah, is it really? I think he's going to mix it up when he comes back. Um, but um, I told my boys, I'm like, the set, I mean, it builds to an absolute boil. Let's see. Let's see what the set is while you look that up. I, I went to go see, you know, it's kind of on brand. I went to go see Coldplay at, at, at uh, MetLife. Yes. And um, he, they have three stages. I'm pulling up Springsteen. And uh, the big stage, they have a small stage and another small stage. And we're by the, the, the smaller of the small stages. Yes. And that's what they do uh, to end the show. And I didn't realize this, but every city they go to, a celebrity, like somebody famous from that area comes out and joins them on stage for a song. And it was uh, Bruce Springsteen. And what did they do? They did, uh, what's the, what was the working for, uh, working on the highway work? No, no. Um, we, I said it a moment ago. It was one of the albums titles. Oh, working, working on, on a dream. dream. I saw they did working on a dream and then they did dancing in the dark. That's good. I yeah. like acoustic, but it's him and Chris Martin. It was, it was really cool, man. Yeah, I bet. All right. So what's this here? MetLife stadium. Here we go. What's his set list? Well, hold on. Did Is he that do night one? Cause I was at night one. He did the same. Oh, never mind. Well, he mixes he, it up. Oh, the third night. A little night. bit. A little the third bit. Third night, I knew he was going to do Jungle Land. Open the encore with Jungle Land and, and close with so Jersey he Girl. Him with Lonesome Day, all the shows. Which he, he added, that was later. He'd been opening most of the tour with No Surrender, which is one of my absolute favorite songs. That might be my favorite song on Born in the US. Might be my favorite song of his. It's kind of my theme song No does, Retreat, he, No Surrender. He does Atlantic City with Johnny 99, back to back. And that's when the set really takes off. Because I, uh, a friend of mine came with me who's not a big Bruce head. And I go, just hang up, hang in there the first half. Why? Is it all shit you don't know? Out on the street, that rules. It rules, but it's not as poppy. There's enough up front for him. And then it just 
takes off right when he does the Nebraska songs. Why is it? Why doesn't he do Darkness on the Edge of Town? Isn't that not a? I think he played it the second or third night. I want to say he did. That song's spectacular. But but this is these are different ones because he's doing this. Oh, he does two nights at everything. So he does do a different set. No, he doesn't. But he mixes up three or four songs if he does multiple. Yeah, see, that's 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 the shit that pisses me off about Billy Joel. That I, I love Billy he does Joel, the but set. he just does the same set. He switches up a couple songs, but not enough for it to be like, oh, I I really want to go to this, and it bums me out because I want to see him a few more times, and I'm like, and just like I want to see Bruce, I, I think I would get off on this set, buddy. You would lose your mind. And I look at my friend, I brought uh, the very funny Eric Newman. And Newman was losing his mind at the end. Is he is he a big Bruce fan? No, or? not at all. That's what I'm saying. He, I go hang in there. I was supposed to bring someone else. That someone else left town to, to visit their girlfriend. I had just gone through a breakup. Eric had just gone through a breakup. A couple months earlier, I was still in this relationship, and Eric was not in his. And I talked to him late at night, and he was really going through it. And somehow it got brought up that I'm going to this. He goes, hey, man. Well, here to say it, Emilio, our, ma- our mutual manager. If he can't go... Promise me, man, you'll ask me. I'd love to go. I go, okay. And it, it just happened. And I go, you know what? My brother's going through it. I'm, let's go. And he went. And it was beautiful to see someone who liked an artist and probably in the first hour was having a f- decent time but wasn't fully there because it didn't know everything. To see Bill 2 dancing in the dark at 10th Avenue and all these goddamn masterpieces at the end and Badlands to see him fall in love with an otter, an uh, artist and tell me three weeks later he still was on a loop listening to Wrecking Ball. That was beautiful. That was akin to me going years ago to the Museum of Modern, uh, the Museum of Moving Picture in Queens and seeing a guy clearly dragged his girlfriend to see The Godfather and she was giving him shit and didn't want to be there and then at the end of the movie I turned and the glow on her face where she was like, I just fell in love with the movie and fell in love with her man even more because he shared beautiful art. It was nice to see someone get one over and fully realize that they saw something that now is going to mean something to them the rest of their life. And that's what happened with Bruce. And I'm going to see that with a lot of my friends like Bruce a lot, but these are the kids I grew up with. I get to share this experience with them, their first Bruce show. And I'm so excited to see how it changes them and how they feel. Greg... His dad, huge Bruce fan. And I mean, fucking huge. And got so Greg, ipso facto, became a Bruce fan. And his dad, during the Tunnel of, not Tunnel of, uh, the Human Touch Lucky Town tour, he took me and Greg. You went to that. We he brought he him. It was it was Greg's dad and I guess the girl he was fucking. And then that takes the shine off <laughs> at this moment. It was a real tender moment, sharing with your son and your son's best friend. See this great band is me, his son, and the girl he's fucking. And he played two hearts, and we really felt it. I, I could have chosen a different. No, it was perfect. I thought it was funny. Oh, it, was, it, it's it most certainly was. It's apt. It most certainly was. <laughs> So you go to see it. So we go, so we drive in the car. I remember like, I think his dad's like fucking drinking the whole way down. His dad was a dad party. Love Bruce. He's fucking playing guitar too. And he's like doing this crazy thing with his wrist. And we get there and we get into the stadium. And I think his dad had great seats. And then we had two shitty seats. Hilarious. But but our shitty seats were like on the floor in the lower bubble. So wait, the dad has the good seats with the girl he's fucking. And then you and Greg, his, his offspring and his offspring's friend. And we're just... the shittiest 
I love, what a fun dad. Just wandering. I love America. We're, we're by ourselves too. Like there's no dude to the point He's where finger fucking this girl in like seat seat row three seat g dude. finger blasted and you two could get abducted he's in he's in fucking he's in the b section the middle b section a b c oh he, uh, love parents dude uh, we were so like young i oh, god i mean when was that Let's yeah i was say, gonna ask how old we were six year old six years just tw- i mean it's 92 so i'm 11 12 i'd say 12 yeah, yeah. i'd say i'm 12 years and old was 12, this, at the 30, capital center at the capital center um, I stole two t-shirts for us too because you could like they had them in the center and like you Look could just there's like a little crack and I could just pull the t-shirt out. I mean they were like you know it was like a 3XL but <laughs> yeah you got it now no 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 I mean that's that's long gone that was before I realized the importance of the importance of a rock and roll t-shirt man you know oh, yeah. I mean I wouldn't buy one now because it's just they're not they're just they they suck with yeah, torch, you have to like sit, concert shirt. Yeah, you have to sit on a concert shirt for for the, that are out right now for thirty to forty years. I got a good one. What do you got? This past year, what'd you get? Misfits in Jersey. They only did two shows last year. I think they they were gonna do three. I think they canceled one. I got to see the Misfits with Glenn in an arena in Newark, New Jersey, on a Saturday night. And that Misfits, I wear that Misfits shirt on stage. I've kind of phased out T-shirts on stage because I host so much in that, and I try to be professional and look good i can wear that shirt with like a jacket motherfuckers lose their minds yeah and you usually wear like a skull on on stage especially if you're hosting that really poisons some of the audience that shirt people love one of the best decisions i made i think i spent like 50 for it remember i used to get a good shirt at a concert for 20 fucking dollars 50 and it's great i i mean i haven't bought a t-shirt that's not true. I went to go see Sexy Red and I bought a t-shirt just because she's so ridiculous. And I was like, I don't know. I'll just fucking have this. It's a shit shirt. I'll never wear it. Um, but, you know, Bruce, I just, I, I'm vintage, man. I, I'd rather, I'd rather search for like a really good Bruce yeah, vintage yeah. shirt. And there's some really good shit out there, man. Um, like I found some good Billy. I found, I mean, dude, I got, just got a Tears for Fears one that I just love. I, that's my addiction is that I, I'll just check in some days and I'll go online and there's a couple websites where it's like, I know my diameters. I, I know I'm a, I'm a 20 across and 27, 27, 28, 27 down from the collar down. And that, if I find a shirt like that, it's Wait, if, you, you're not getting large, medium. You don't, you're above you that gotta high? do it. You gotta do it with, with vintage t-shirts. It could say an extra large, but it's been shrunk and dried oh, down yeah, yeah, yeah. to a medium. You know what I mean? It's just over time. So yeah. they what they do is they lie it down and then they go from from armpit to armpit. That's one measurement. That's on my my perfect shirt's like a twenty. Because what you do is you find a shirt that fits you perfectly, right? And then you lay that down and you measure it from armpit to armpit and then from top collar all the way down to the bottom of the shirt. And that's yours. You're so blowing you- my goddamn mind right now. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. 
Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. It's dude. You also know when you go to a hotel room and you, you want to close your blinds, go into the closet, grab one of the fucking hang, the hangers that has the pants clips and go up to, because you know how you can always, the light will still come in unless you, you have to seal those fucking, those shades. Yeah. So you just, you pinch them with the fucking, did that blow your mind? That blows my mind. You know what I do in hotels? I pull out the Bible, which I've never read. I put it in my hand and I pray that I don't catch bed bugs. That's oh. what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever? Have you ever gotten bed bugs? Yeah, I'm, I used to live with the great Mike Vecchione to this day. You, we'll with them, you with them too? Yeah, I was there for bed bug gate. Wait, but I thought he lived with, with Soder for years. I was before Soder. Okay. We were in Inwood, okay. top of Manhattan. Yes, sir. And you had bed bugs. Apparently, when they sprayed the 37 times, they said there's no indication of my room having bed bugs. And then when I've lived with other comics, I killed one in my room. They checked, no indication of another one, never got bites again. And then the great Anthony DeVito, days before he was doing his Colbert set, killed a bed bug. We were nervous. I go, look, there's only one, one, one set of bites. Let's just wait it out. And thank God we could have, we didn't get infested. Boy, I didn't expect to talk about bed bugs on this. This is the beauty. What's next? Fuck, Dude, condensed milk? What are we going to break down? We're talking about a, a, a sense of urgency and unease. We're talking about unpolished. We're talking about minimal production. We're talking about spontaneously. Yes. We're talking about the passion in your face. I can't see Right now discussing shit. this. Spectacular. <laughs> Johnny 99. Love it. Yeah. So he does a band version of that. Why won't they release the the stuff? Why can't we why, one day? Do you think he, do you think they ever will? I mean, they keep. I mean, he's he has so much stuff they bring out. You know, it's great. Uh, who knows? Maybe after he's dead. I don't know. It's maybe because he is so strongly feels that this is the way to listen to it, and he probably doesn't want people to hear and like it or it change what they feel. Because because here's another reason why. When you ask why is this album important. It has a feel. It has an aesthetic to it. It is a movie. It's a movie. And if you heard them with the band, if you heard them with Clarence, if you heard them with it, and like I said, I guarantee you, maybe the whole thing doesn't work, but there's probably a few of those songs that are phenomenal with the band. It'll change then when you go back and listen to what he put out. He put it out this way for a reason. And he wants you wants that to stick in your crawl forever. I do think at one point, I'm guessing it is when he passes or when he's just an old man, maybe, and he doesn't care anymore, but he wants this record to stand alone for a reason. Once again, it is the outlier. Doesn't say, even when he goes and does the acoustic record, Tom Joe don't sound like this. And it comes to the fact that, uh, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. The fact that it got mixed to a piece of shit boombox that they ran the echoplex all this shit that the tape was in a pocket naked for weeks 
that there's that element of, of the noise and the things they had to do to restore it, to make it the, the, the lyrics audible. All these happy accidents is what makes it. It's a sonic, so who said this? It's a, it's a great example of, of, of a, it's a sonic a, accomplishment. So how close were we to this never even seeing the light of day? Was there ever like Fuck a real story? Fall, if it fell out of his pocket, it wouldn't be there. Yeah. If we would have just another week or two or another day or two, it could have got all screwed up in his pocket. This could have never been this sonic accident because it sounds like nothing else. That needs to be conveyed enough to everyone. There's other acoustic records. There's other folk, but this absolutely takes. You ever listen to like Lead Lead Belly? There's something about those records and like how Robert cr- Johnson and how like crude that. they're recorded. And this is kind of an extension of yeah, that. There, there needs to be more of like this on the on the recording of Nebraska. Like you're playing with your tree right now. Yes, the crackles. That's there's something magical about when you listen to those Robert Johnson recordings and. Oh, I love Lead Belly so much. It it sounds like he took 20 minutes from hiding from the law to record in the middle of a muddy bush. And that's part, and that's, context is part of it. People forget this. Context is a part of everything in history and all art. Goddamn Nirvana is so fucking good, but, it, but the context of that unplugged is makes it even better the fact that he's going to attempt to kill himself in rome months later with pills that he four months later actually kills himself makes that performance stand out even more and if those things didn't happen it's still a great performance but it wouldn't reach the the folklore yeah. and have the importance that it does so this is this is mtv unplugged in a sense and it you know look look and with that let's go back to nirvana again too that record's perfect but that record means something more because you stop noticing hair metal. Hair metal didn't die right away after that, but it slowly did. I remember, yeah. And replacing a mediocre Michael Jackson album at number one added to the importance of that record and what we think about. And it seeps into how we listen to those songs subconsciously. And it's amazing. So the context of that but, with but, this is so important. So do you, so, okay. So then my next question so, is, do you, do you almost feel like this record, everybody that listens to this should go into it knowing the history of it? Because I didn't, I, I, I knew something was up because J- Greg was sending yeah. me shit and you had mentioned something. And so I have two people that I like and I respect that are like, Hey man, Nebraska's coming up, Nebraska. So I, but if I didn't talk to you and I just put this on, I would have just gone like, Oh cool. It's an acoustic record. If you just go into it thinking it's just an acoustic record, is this as good or well, no, do I, you have to know? I'm scared they, of ruining it do, by saying this. I'm scared that giving the context might, might screw it up for people. I almost feel that it's okay if people listen to this record the first time and go, why the fuck is this on the list? Because this is the type of thing I feel, I always say this, when I ate sushi, I didn't get it, but I craved it for a week or two and then I started eating it, I go, I get it. I feel some albums and pieces of art take a minute for you to really get what was going the fuck on and there's nothing wrong with that. And then when that does happen, you really appreciate it. And I could see people going through that with this record. Why is this so crude? Oh, it's just an acoustic record. And then when you do the research, then it probably also shines a light on it. But yeah, it's intriguing. I, I, I can't wait to hear the feedback you get from your fans of people who 
know this record and and then the people who don't and then the people who listen to it in anticipation of listening to what we're doing now and those who listen to us and then listen to the record and i would love to hear what they say and what the reactions are commonly referred to the electric nebraska sessions eight of the 12 tracks that went on born in the usa were composed yeah of electric nebraska and pink cadillac which is a wonderful um, so you're saying like so then so so they went in to record these songs on top of these songs they also recorded born in the usa downtown train cover me i'm on fire glory Days." yes well but those songs are part of it so that that, people need to realize this so the the tape in bruce's pocket had all i believe all these songs it it had those songs on too i want to say so holy shit but he put these 10 together he realized these 10 were the record and that one day, I mean, that January 3rd, I think he records like 15 songs. Yeah, it's a totally different record with, with Downtown Train. Well, Downtown Train. Downtown Train really down, fits. Downbound Train, yes. And I think I'm on fire fits. Because I'll tell you a song that that almost doesn't fit on this. Let's let's see. Is um, Open All Night is a, is a good rock song. That's uh, the only song recorded. Uh, I believe there is an electric guitar, but I don't know if it's fully plugged in um, on that. That's a rock song that could have been on anything with him. Open all night and open on. That's just about driving to see his girl that he met who was a waitress at a Bob's Big Boy. It's the most New Jersey fucking song you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That record, Open All Night, you could have done with the band and put on Born in the USA. It would have been great. Probably, possibly could have been a hit. It's a rave up. Wow. Born in the USA. Born in the fucking USA. Isn't that crazy? How close they, I mean, it's the same session, basically. That's, yeah, just, it's a totally different thing. Wow. Two totally different vibes. Two totally different records. What? Are, is there stuff that we're missing that we need to talk about? Like, is there, like, when it comes to this, are we missing anything that you have not brought up or that you're, like, you know? Well, I have a personal story I'll tell, but I feel like it's self-indulgent, but I feel do like it. I, I, we'll stupid do, not to. Humanize. I'll also bring this. Um, a year later, Johnny Cash does an album called Johnny 99, and he does Johnny 99 and Highway Patrolman, both those songs on it. Uh, listeners, treat yourself and listen to Johnny in particular do Johnny 99. It is, and that's an example of what that song could have been. And it's basically what, what Bruce does now. It's it's a rockabilly song when he does it live with the E Street Band. But once again, these bleak, somber, acoustic songs that basically this, you think this is a fair description? This album kind of sounds like a season of True Detective. If True Detective was a record, wow, it's this goddamn I, I, album. It's yeah, and and John, but then standalone season. But then listen to Johnny story. Cash's version, and then go see Bruce, and it's oh, it's just, just a badass rock and roll song, old timey rock and roll song, rockabilly song. Listen to Cash's version, and you'll love it. Put it on. Save it for yourself when you get on the plane tomorrow, Josh. Because people don't know Josh is going on the road tomorrow. Um. And then when you get a chance, tell me how it feels. But just, I want it to randomly come on while you're on the plane and you just, oh, it's so goddamn good. Johnny, can you imagine this? And this is, once again, we talk about it. This comes from, whether you necessarily see it or not, from Johnny Cash Records. This aesthetic comes from those records and the loner aesthetic of rock and roll. And for Johnny, a year later, to fucking record it is amazing. Yeah, it really is cool. And this is when Johnny wasn't cool, which makes it even cooler. 
I don't think he's ever not been Well, in the cold, 80s, you know, well, when, when yeah, but country not, was changing. God bless him. This is before the Rick Rubin sprinkles got on him, obviously. Yeah. Which, by the way, Rick Rubin, I was talking to somebody else, Brad Williams, sitting right there. Fucking, um, he did that with Neil Diamond, too, with 12 songs. Yeah. It's a great record, man. He's great. Yeah. Well, those American recording records. Well, here, I'll tell you, and and then I'll tell you this one, this other one. America, the first American recordings, to me, comes close to this. Now, it was professionally recorded, but Johnny's kind of down on his luck and doesn't know what he's doing. And I know you've done this record, right? You did American recordings. We did. And then a couple of them are live at the Viper Room. And they just gives Johnny all these songs of artists, a lot of artists he doesn't even know. And the Danzig song and all that shit. And it, to me, that's a happy accident. They just, they recorded a bunch of songs and it just had, it has an aesthetic to it. And that, and once again, the artwork is part of this. And I think it's lost now with digital when artists put it out. But I think of Johnny and that cover and it, and I think of Bruce, I think the cover of Nebraska when I hear it, they, they, these things go hand to hand and it perfectly, it creates this feeling inside of me and I know where it's going. The American Recordings to me is the closest thing to Nebraska. I, to me, there's a kinship in that, that I feel. And I could just be naive because once again, just do acoustic records, but there's a realness going on there and there's something going on in Johnny's life. Those songs, Rick Rubin presented those to him because it, it was the right time and the right place that needed to be said. God. It's a fucking good record. It really is. Bird on a Wire. Oh, dude. Bird on a Wire. Down There by the Train. Down there. Oh, which dude, is a Bird Tom on, Waits. Bird on a Wire. That became a, an obsession song for me. Not just, it should be. Not just that one, but another version that he does. If I just your heart. Yeah. It really swells at the end. So great. Na, 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 na. So great. So, all right. So, last spring. I'm in Buffalo for a wedding. Don't want to brag. <laughs> uh, one of my dear friends, Anthony DeVito, old roommate, survived the bed bug. I feel like you've lived every, with everybody. <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. So after the rehearsal dinners the night before the wedding, downstairs at the bar, a little subgroup was formed between uh, Andy, the big cat Fiore, James, Mad Dog, Mattern, and The Wolf, who is Greg Stone, former roommate's brother, who did my artwork on my last album. And we're sitting there and we're talking and we're having some libations and bullshit and watching women's college softball world series, just like men should. And we bring up how we did the artwork for my album for the check spot. And I go, this is going to sound like I'm sucking my own weebie, but I go, Hey man, how's it feel? You did an album that won an award. You did the artwork. He goes, it's cool. And he, he explained the motivation for the album. So I love the wolf, but he sometimes you have to get on him to do the artwork. And so finally after months, I go, Hey man, we need to pre present this to get the album out, the vinyl, and to put it, submit it to iTunes. And he goes, tell me again what this is about. I go, I'm going and doing a Q&A while people pay their bills at a comedy show and they're not paying attention. The worst part of a show, it is raw. It is not re with a real comedy. It's totally different. It's a totally different vibe. And as I was telling him that for the last time before he did it, he admitted to me, that moment in Buffalo, I didn't know this, he was listening to Nebraska. And now The Wolf is a, he's a lead singer of this legendary New Jersey hardcore band called The Banner. So he's punk as punk gets. Yeah. And he's this tough punk guy. And this proves the point that this record spoke to punk people. Because it is punk, it's, it's a demo, it's raw. He was listening to that album, heard what I said, ran to 
the diner in Jersey that's down the street from him and took a salt shaker, took asked the girl to rip off a piece of her uh, notepad and created my album cover. Because he goes, it felt like what you're telling me was kind of what Bruce was doing at the same time, which I'm very honored and I'm not as, what I did was not as important, but that really, and then I went on a deep dive of this whole album again yeah. because of it and it made me feel just special that someone could connect some dumb shit I do to this beautiful record. But it, once again, it's the punk. What I was doing was punk and this donut. I told uh, Candy Claire, who's the booker of New York Comedy Club, that this is a punk record. And she's like, well, how's that a punk record? And I'm like, this, just listen. There's an aesthetic there. It doesn't always have to be one, two, three, four, blah, blah, blah. But there, it is there. It is different. It is against the grain and it is all heart and soul. And there's a darkness to it that needed to come out. And it's it's a wonderful punk album. So that's my connection to this record. I'm very honored that you had me oh be a part God. of this. And this it means a great. lot. This record does Dude. mean a lot to me. And uh, if I have a casket when I'm dead, I hope the vinyl that I was just gifted is in there and the t-shirt that should be arriving any minute now that I will be wearing to T-Mobile. Um, yeah, dude. It, it really means a lot. It is it is the rawest thing. If someone I love wants it. to be raw oh. and emotional, this you record raw. really captures it. And it's, wow. Man. I mean, isn't that crazy it's though? He, he inspired, that inspired him to make that album cover, which I'm really proud of my album cover. I Here, think that's awesome. Go check out the check spot. You don't even have make to listen sure to our vibe, but look, it. just look at the cover. Look at, look at what, what uh, the wolf did. All right, um, I ask everybody these questions. Yes. And you'll be coming back on, so don't worry. Yes. Um, we'll work yourself up to the Beatles. <laughs> we got time. Favorite song on the record? It's probably State Trooper. I mean, Chalk, you don't want to be a basic bitch. I mean, but Atlantic City is the one I probably listen. It really moves me a lot. Yeah, what hits you the deepest on this record? Like, what? what like, is the moment? State Trooper rocks. But what hits you? you say, do the we- riff to State Trooper. Because I'm like Chuck Klosterman. Chuck Klosterman had that article that you could find somewhere on Esquire where he, he just takes his favorite parts of every song. That's an aspect that people forget about with music. Sometimes it's just that one part. The riff to State Trooper, that acoustic riff, is just so haunting to me and just moves. And then the... That kind of vocal is so amazing to me. To me, that song is punk as fuck. It's almost metal. It's just amazing. Atlantic City just has wrapped me up in emotions forever. Reason to Believe is spectacular and got me, when I was doing the re-listen last night, coming home from uh, the late show at the cellar, just punched me in just such a perfect way. Once again, he argues and he doesn't understand why people other than the title think it's optimistic, but it is the glimmer of hope. And it's just the perfect way to end those 10 songs. So those are the three that really hit me the most, but it's, yeah. Fuck it. But now I'm just, it's, I can't, Johnny 99. I would just want to rock out. It's just great. If there was anything off this record that you would love to hear him play live, what would it be? Oh, yeah, State Trooper. I would love to see what he would do with State Trooper. And I wonder if he could do it with the band. I mean, in that riff, and remember, it'll be fun for people to go and listen to the songs on Born in the USA and the other songs that didn't make it. State Trooper's riff is kind of close to Pink Cadillac and Open All Night kind of sounds like it could have been Pink Cadillac. There is a lot of, what's the word? Homogeneous, whatever. Yeah. Because like I said, there's a few lyrics that overlap. There is some overlapping that goes on that you can find in other albums in that. And it's 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 fascinating with that. But I would love this. Oh man, I would love for him to just pull out an acoustic in the middle of the yeah. set in Vegas and, and just doom, 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 doom. oh, or open with that with, the ba- with him coming out with that riff and then the band comes out and just fucking rocks it out 
and Clarence's fucking nephew who plays like a fucking baritone, like a riff. Yeah. Or if he does the the if he does the yell, tries to emulate that like on the sax, like with a squeal. Oh, Maron would be amazing. <laughs> What's your least favorite track on this? What would it be? Is it used cars? I mean, they're all great. Probably used cars. Any particular reason? No. No, it just, just doesn't hit me as one. much. But it's great. I mean, the title track isn't my particular favorite but it's it's important and it needs to be there yeah i mean it's a long song but better but it's 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 needed can you fuck to this record no but i'll tell you this if you can that's that's the last person you should fuck that's probably the person you should marry if you have someone who's emotionally driven to have a blissful moment with you god willing to this record there has to be a connection on levels that you've never seen this is probably the best person you're going to find in your life <laughs> it's like <laughs> you it's this is too i mean it sets a mood i bet people have fucked to this i, I think state trooper you could fuck well there's but once again there's you a couple songs it. that rock i mean there's there is johnny 99 rocks Dude. open all night Dude, no, you can fuck to I think you can fuck to this as long as you're not listening to the lyrics. Musically, lyrics it's, tough. it's it is it is it, it sets a mood. I'd it's, lose a heart on the title sexy. track. I'd lose a heart. Oh, Atlantic City it, it would be a wonderful song to maybe be passionate with someone. I I don't know if I'd want to insert what a lovely thing to say um to Atlantic City, but you could make out and be passionate and do some heavy petting to Atlantic City. For someone you really love, like to me, Art. You know what? You know when you fuck to this record, after a tragedy, your girl consoles you, or yeah, you console dude. her because someone lost a family member, and this record probably is the perfect song to be listening to. And then the Shiva's. emotions take over. It's Shiva sex. Yes. Shiva sex, yes, dude. This, boy, merch. You better make that T-shirt. You, you better be selling that <laughs> the three best, months. The best Shiva sex. The, the best nut you're ever gonna have is a fucking Shiva nut. Shiva like nut. Like you, you just like I. Every I remember me and Angelo because my dad died, and then I get back from Pennsylvania I'm with my girlfriend, and we just immediately make love, and it's like because you just want to feel anything other than you have to. than than how that. So and then Angelo, same thing, and he. I remember he called me, and he's like, dude, he's like. That fucking like dead dad sex like yeah. that that fucking post like chain that's like because it's just like ah all this emotion but yeah uh, it's a there's a great scene in High Fidelity with that yeah just shut up and I don't want to feel anything yeah so just it's, fuck me it's it's monsters yeah. ball yeah it's pretty amazing let make me feel good make me feel good <laughs> uh, what would be your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to this record do you do do you do you occasionally like darkness? Do you occasionally like letting go and seeing where the darkness takes you? Which we all do. This is why the Joker to me is more popular than Batman. It's, I mean, this is true. There's, I mean, some of these songs are based on actual true crimes. I mean, hey, what do you watch on Netflix? True crime. True crime. Listen to this record. This is a true crime record. I mean, Johnny 99 is based on a goddamn true story. I mean, a lot of this comes from it. So if you like this, this is a true crime. This is a murder ballad album. Knock yourself out. Knock yourself. Knock your, knock your dick off to this. I, I just think that, you know, do you feel like you need to listen to this and then listen to 
um, like, you know, is this, what am I trying to say? Do you think it's like, can you listen to this before you listen to any other Bruce records? Or is it like, listen to Bruce records and then listen to this? I think, it's an interesting question. I wonder how people would feel if this was their first one. I think they'll probably be, dis if you listen to this record first and love it, you might be disappointed going forward. You could be, because it is different. Once again, another drinking word for this episode, outlier. It is the outlier. It is something different. There is a lot of his aesthetic in here, obviously, but he went to a different place and channeled something and, and the recording techniques of it and, and, the, and the sonic uh, structure of it is totally different than what you'll get like one album before and one album ever uh, after. I mean, No Surrender off Born in the USA kind of feels like it could have been on the river. It's ah, just a big rev up fucking let's go. Throw shit in the air. We're going to dance. And guess what? Mama's got fresh biscuits. We're going to eat on the picnic table. We're going to have a good time. Little Sally Mae's going to come by. You go take her to the <laughs> barn for a dance. Those are those kind of songs. And this isn't that. Sally Mae. It isn't. It's Sally Mae. Tell them to not make me defer my student loans. Oh, is that them? That's them. Well, Sally Ann, let's go with her. Dude, I, I had so much fun, brother. This is like, great. I, thank you for coming thank on you. in such short notice. And thank you. I don't know if everybody knows this. He, before this, he went and got a physical. So fingers crossed. Yeah, that, we'll live. That <laughs> if not, baby, it was worth it to talk about ah! this. Or and I, oh, this should be mentioned too, and I can't believe I forgot. Real yeah. quick with this album. Bruce says that his lack, uh, there's not that many melodies in this record. And he says that the lack of melody is one of the reasons this record is what it is. It needed less melody. It wouldn't be the same if he would have put more actual hooks in it. So think about that. It's perfect. Treat yourself to this record. Remember, it's totally a different thing that you're digesting yeah. than you're used to with him. And it's just, it, I mean, it looks, punk rockers love it. Goths love it. it. This influenced generations of indie lo-fi people guided by voices and people like that. Sebado. And, and the lo-fi movement. I mean, you can trace, there was a slight movement in the early 90s with Sebado and... Who was that? The the people who, uh, this guy from Sebado, he formed Folk Implosion, who did that song from Kids, yeah. Natural One. You could hear this comes from that. And it's great. People started, this influenced people to record just at their houses. But the difference is, they a lot of people were trying to record albums this way, and this wasn't recorded to be an you, album. You have to go into this without being like you're just recording songs, and and just luckily they all were basically done. If he would have tried with the intention that I'm making an album, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it now. He would have overdone it. He would all oh, the rewrite. It worked because he was just trusting the moment he was in. I want songs to present to Stephen and to Max and to the boys and I want something to do tonight. I'm alone in this house in the middle of dead winter and he allowed himself to be present and then he allowed himself months later to be present and realize that he had created something that works without any futzing around that they couldn't replicate the magic that was in there. The characters he was talking about and singing about and, be, and channeling were going to be lost in a full band or in a nice glossy studio. He had the presence of mind to realize that. Bravo. And that's what we call art. Promote away. The James Mattern Instagram <laughs> and uh, YouTube and jamesmattern.com. And uh, yeah, man, that's it. I don't have that much. 
I'll be recording an album in May or June. It will not be quite as ambitious as the Czech spot or Nebraska, but it'll be fun. <laughs> and there's, a, there's an outside chance I'm waiting to see if we will do it in Europe, but we'll see. Dude, you, I love having you on. I uh, it's love a pleasure. I love, this is a I love fun being show. friends with you, dude. Thank you, You're baby. Great. I love you. We, we did good today. We did. Thank you for having me. We did. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only James Mattern. Follow him on Instagram at the James Mattern and on Twitter at James L. Mattern. Now, you just listened to Bruce Springsteen from 1982. For new music, we have Canadian folk group Ruben and the Dark. And you're listening to the song All My Friends off their 2022 album In Lieu of Light. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you were in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you wanted your music featured on the 500 website, send us your song to 500podcasts at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week. That's what I always used to do. I used to go, next week. <laughs> Screen day week as we go deep into the 2004 record American Idiot. Yep. Do your homework. Because y'all got some. Listen to the record. Stay Maybe fleecy. We don't change. And maybe there's an ocean in the way. And I know it gets hard for you to hide. But baby, we don't run from the light. When all my Tell me where will I be When all my friends are gone Well tell me where will I be Any is the water cold Tell me it's a Tell me where will I be And when all my friends are gone Tell me where will I be Will I, where will I, where will I, where will I be
Just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Next Chapter Podcasts.